0: Hello listeners, John Power here, host of the How To Hobby podcast, and I wanna be the first to welcome you to Platform How To Hobby. We hope you enjoyed tonight's episode where we're gonna be diving into everything about high-altitude hiking. We cover that and much more on tonight's episode. As always, the best place to get in touch with us is through our website, howtohobbypodcast.com. And if you like what you're hearing, Please leave us a five-star rating wherever you digest your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the How To Hobby Podcast. I'm your host, John Power, joined by my co-host, The Menace, Sean Bennett. And tonight, we are here to bring you the best segment on the internet. We are going to be breaking down some amazing things we've been doing recently we hope you had a great and safe Halloween. I actually was out in the mountains getting some high altitude climbing done with my sister. Sean was he was tackling the, the world of Six Flags, and we missed you guys. Sean,
1: you missed the listeners? I did. I, I really did. Uh, coming off our episode with Taylor, which was really, really fun to do, and I'm glad we were able to do that. He was really cool to talk to, and I hope that the listeners out there really liked it. Uh, if you have any questions for him or any questions about that, please let us know. Reach out to us on on any of our social media platforms or Gmail. We're we're here for questions. Um, yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. I'm ready to be back. We took a little bit of a break to do some traveling. Uh, like you said, your high altitude me Six Flags. Um, I can't wait to to talk more about that in the future. But I'm just glad to be back here and back talking with you. I feel like it's been a year since we've talked. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's a, It's been a whole week. This is. I know. My well, goodness. For, for you and I, we we talk a lot. So to to like take a week off, it uh, feels like it's been forever. It does. It does. A lot has happened since then,
0: but uh, all good things in the land. And one of my favorite things just happened. I've been I've been talking about it. For probably all year you're the, the listeners are tired of hearing it but BJ's Brewhouse just released their seasonal grand crew and Sean you know how
1: happy that makes me oh I'm- it is it is your sign off to the winter uh uh season in San Diego uh, that is that, it that grand crew uh i i have not had it in a while i actually don't think i had it last year what uh, i think i skipped oh. it last year so oh. gonna, i've got to go get an extra one to make you're up you're gonna it have to time. get an extra one for sure
0: yeah no you can't sleep on the ground the grand crew it's so if, and for everybody who isn't aware of the grand crew and what it stands for pretty much in the world of brewing grand crew is the celebratory ale so it's where you you've you've stocked up you've you keep all of your best ingredients for the holidays right thanksgiving we bring out the turkey we bring out the best of our harvest, and 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 that just continues right on through Christmas. Well, go figure. The brewing industry is no different. This Grand Cru signifies the Grand Cru, the best of the best. You use your best yeast. You use your best—I uh, think there's some fruit they put in there. It has some fruit notes, and— Man, I'm telling you it just hits. It's uh it's also a high altitude altitude <laughs> high alcohol beer as well, which doesn't uh which doesn't detract from the experience either. Um yeah, I think it's almost 10%. So, drink responsibly, listeners. We're we're always going to preface that here. Uh but it is something to look forward to every single year and I've I've had a lot of uh fond memories with with coworkers over a nice grand crew after a day of work and and that will probably happen again this year. I'll let you know when that happens, Sean. I'll send you the the airmail invite to come out to Arizona and and
1: <laughs> Yes, please please do. My mom and I actually did uh BJs a couple of years ago. They had a holiday like tasting, beer tasting, uh where Ooh. the last one was their grand crew, but you would oh. it was like a, a pairing with beer at a meal. So we went, it was like a five course meal with like appetizers and a meal. And every time they would bring out a beer that they thought that fit with that meal and they ended with the grand crew and it was a really, really fun experience. So, uh, listeners, if you're, if you're near a BJ's, I highly recommend it. It's one of mine and John's favorite restaurants. Really? Um, <laughs> you that's, should, you should go check that's them it. out.
0: That's it. Just, just don't just take our word for it. You will not be <laughs> disappointed. It's kind of like kombucha. I told you to go out and get some, uh, BJ's brew house food and drink is the same thing. Just go out and get some. Don't ask questions. How to hobby boys do not lead you astray. If you know anything from the show, hopefully you know that beard. if you, if you don't think that, then maybe, uh, <laughs> you need to send us some, Hey, Hey guys, uh, actually, no, you don't fill fill my life with joy as much as we thought you did. But uh, Hey, we're opening either perspective here. Listeners. um, so thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for listening. We are going to jump through a number of topics tonight. We're not just talking about beer. Sean is out there cultivating nature. He's he's a part of the Nature Collective. He's going to be talking through some of the things he's been doing with that group, continuing to get out there and do some local outreach. Uh, again, we have a Six Flags trip that he went on, and we're going to dive into just a little bit of it uh, and probably give you a future episode on some, some things we won't spoil any more than that. Uh, and then we're going to talk tonight specifically, the main event is going to be about the high altitude hiking, which, uh, I have now done the beast of the West, uh, Mount Whitney, 14,505 feet, number four in the bag, Sean, this year. So, uh, I can't believe I'm here i can't believe i've done it four times i mean i can't believe it either (laughs) it's 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 not i i i don't know if i like that or don't like that and so that's we'll get into more of that later in the episode but sean how's this how's the uh the local outreach going in your life
1: it's actually one of the most fulfilling things i've done in a really long time i've volunteered a little bit in the past with some different orgs, but this is a, a one that really aligns with my values a lot more than I have in the past. So they're a, I've talked about them before, but for any listeners who who didn't hear that episode uh, I've been volunteering with a group called nature collective. They're out in San Diego. They are the main conservancy group for the San Alejo Lagoon, which is a huge tourist attraction and the Lagoon an incredibly important Lagoon for sea life and birds and wildlife of the San Diego beach area and in the Solana beach and Encinitas area. Um, they've raised tons and tons of money. They've had volunteers that have been there for almost 20 years doing the work uh, in the, the canal, keeping everything straight, huge project that just got completed with, Uh, The city of San Diego doing uh, construction there to extend a bridge, make more carpool lanes. They added a suspension bridge underneath the freeway for hikers. Uh, I've done that trail a few times, but I've done some different community outreach events with them. And then John said I've actually been working on the nature side as well. I spread seed. I spread mulch on some areas to try and get more wildlife to grow. Uh, I took clippings from local plants and we actually potted... God, I don't know, 150 different plants from cuttings from the area to try and grow more of the local plants to try and beat out some of the uh, invasive species that have been brought here have been growing. So I've just really, really been enjoying it. I'm, I'm taking uh, this week off because I'm going to be traveling out to Arkansas to stay with my grandparents for a week uh but it's really fun it's i volunteer on wednesday mornings because i'm currently unemployed and i can Uh, (laughs) but it's been it's been really good and really Like helping the environment feels good, but also just getting outside, meeting people. I've met wildlife biologists doing this. I've met a really cool woman who works for a pesticide company, and she's a a wildlife biologist here that's for a company back in Chicago. Like I'm meeting really interesting people. So I recommend if you're interested in the outdoors, any of the listeners, look for any local conservation groups in your area and just see if they do volunteering and, and volunteer there. I've been really enjoying it. That's awesome. And I know one of your big things here has been the
0: activity challenge you've put on the yes. books for yourself. And I'm sure this nature collective getting out in nature always seems to help it, with the the
1: activities. So how, how has that kind of been working together? It's been working really well. So yeah, I find when I, you know, when I finish volunteering, I I spent so long trying to make the land better that now I want to experience it. So I'll do hikes. Uh, I'm currently on day 20 in Strava, logged yesterday. Nice. Um, again, I'm shooting for 200 by October 1st of next year. There's days where I don't record, but my goal is recorded Strava data so that I can track the hikes and the dog walks and stuff that I've done. So I'm trying to get better about it. I'm still trying to learn Strava and all its intricacies and... Um, reminder to actually hit start and stop when you're <laughs> doing the, the trail, but I'm currently on day 20, so I'm I'm getting there. That's I still great. have a lot of work to do, but I'm I'm doing good and I'm feeling good, and it makes me excited to go out. One, because I get to knock you know another day off the list, but also I'm getting to be outside and get active. That's great, man. Well,
0: congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Let's let's keep pumping Sean up, listeners. You gotta gotta send him some love on the Strava. You can find us. On our Strava's, I'm John Power, and he's Sean Bennett. You'll find us there somewhere.
1: <laughs> you could you can find us, but I, I really like Strava. I know you, you've Strava, Dude, Strava for a while, but Oof. I started it a few years ago when I was trying to use my my Samsung watch, and it was such a pain in the butt. I could never get it to work. And then now I'm just doing it on my phone. I'm just like, I'm just recording on my phone. It's so much nicer. I've learned how to manually add data now, like for Six Flags, I went and added all my hiking or all my walking data. It's a really nice app. We're not sponsored yet, but it's a really nice app. That's I think- <laughs> Yes, I like that.
0: <laughs> I like that. We definitely need to get a Strava sponsor. We will welcome a Strava sponsorship on the how-to hobby. Maybe we need to get a, if if you are listening and you're a part of the Strava family, of owners reach out to us we want to talk to you i want to figure out how you came up with it because it's an amazing app amazing interface and it's my favorite so you have that and uh come on we'll 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 talk so sean you went to six flags uh you this is something that had been in the works for a while now i don't know how much you want to dive into tonight but overall a great time i mean uh, the the crowds were up the crowds were down what
1: was the overall consensus it was really, really fun. Um, my mom and I are huge Six Flags. We're huge theme park fans. So luckily, my mom is the only person in my immediate friends or family that also likes roller coasters that I can, nice. you know, go with. So I'm very lucky in that she loves them. She's sometimes, you know, even more daring than I am, which is hilarious because there's some rides she's like, "Yeah, let's do it," and I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." Oh. But uh yeah, we we did a two day trip to Six Flags Road nice. almost every ride they had. Um almost, a, almost so there every ride. Some
0: you didn't. Were those the yeah. lame ones or was someone no, those
1: you... so both my mom and I love the big roller coasters. We hate anything that spins because we get motion sick really uh, fast. Yeah. So any of the ones that spin we always skip. But any of the ones like if if I can get dropped from the tallest point, that's my favorite ride. Like yeah. I love drop a doom. From- I love, I love Drop of Doom. I love the... the drop uh, of Doom is no fly- joke. No, it's not. Twisted Colossus, <laughs> which actually is a mile-long roller coaster. It's a five-minute coaster. Uh, what? You actually, yeah, so it was the first-ever hybrid coaster, I think in California, possibly the West Coast. It is a... It, what originally was a wooden track, and then they came back and revamped it and built right with it a metal track. So you actually do the full wooden track and then you get back, you climb the hill, and you do the full metal track. So it's technically two roller coasters in one. Uh, so it's a, it's the longest roller coaster that I've been on. It's 5,000 feet long. It's like a four- to five-minute ride time. Wow. Yeah. We rode it three times in two days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is amazing.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's it has great. two 118-foot-80-degree drops. Uh, which is how they start the ride, so you basically feel like you're flying out of the seat. And I always do no hands on the coasters, so I actually feel my butt coming off the seat. So it gives it a whole new experience. But um, I, I love it. I could talk about it for days. John hinted at it. We're going to do an episode on this kind of theme park ish activity. So look forward to that coming out. Uh, John and I are going to we're going to geek out over some some throw rides. So I'm really excited.
0: Yeah. It's going to be great. I can't wait because I'm a big fan of everything thrill, just like you are, Sean. So let's dive into, I guess, what I was doing over the last couple weeks, which was, well, the last week where we didn't talk. Uh, Over Halloween week, me and my sister were able to get out and hike Mount Whitney together, which is a... uh, it's a, it's the tallest peak in the lower 48. For those who are not familiar, it's a extremely difficult feat of mind and body. And really mind is a lot more in it than anything else I've ever done, which is probably how most high, uh, high mileage activities are in life. Like I'd I'd imagine a marathon is similar. It's not so much about the The activity level—it's more—it becomes a mental battle the whole time. So that's kind of uh, what Mount Whitney is for me. I mean, it feels exactly like that. But it was also special because me and my sister have been trying to do this for since last year. Uh, We tried to get permits last year and didn't get them. It's on a lottery quota. So you really—the thing about Mount Whitney is you can you can do a lot of fourteen thousand foot peaks and maybe. Some are easier than others. Whitney is not the easiest to get because it really does take a year mm-hmm. of preparation. I mean, it's and you got to be on the dates because to get to do it well, you have to get up and, and hike. I or I recommend camping at the Lone Pine or the Mount Whitney Portal Mount Whitney Campground, which is at nine thousand feet. Uh, that just sets yourself up from an acclimate acclimatate acclimatization standpoint. (laughs) I don't even know that word. What is that? Uh, But it sets your body up so that you know kind of what you're getting into a little bit easier. Um, So, yeah, getting all of that squared away pretty much takes from January. I think they open the – it's the beginning of February when they actually open up the application. And they'll take it. And then you get notified in March if you have it. And then from there, you have to follow your dates along for what permit you get given mm-hmm. to then pick a campsite. So it's a whole...
1: That sounds Th- logistically like a lot of... You have to be committed to do this.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. So for this one, you know, maybe tonight, we're going to be talking about, about high-altitude hiking in general. So tips and tricks to kind of get yourself into that world. And so starting less than 14,000 feet is probably, if you've never hiked over 10,000 feet, I would recommend starting lower than 10,000 feet and working yourself up because that's usually how any program works for setting your mind and body up for getting to a point. And it's really interesting because we were talking to the guy in the Mount Whitney store after we, Spoiler had finished the hike, and he pretty much said, "Yeah, it's weird. Most people that come up here, it's their first time ever hiking." Good and, lord! Yeah, and I just, <laughs> you know, it kind of blew my mind because, you know, I know how much preparation and and I don't know. I think maybe you can still go up there and get a permit. Like if people have not committed to the day, mm-hmm. like I think there's there's definitely cancellations if it's cold or the weather is not necessarily that good people will cancel. But I don't know if that means that's what they do, like that's their play, but I couldn't imagine that if you're doing what I do, which is getting a permit, getting the lottery date um and then getting a campsite that they would they I they would not train, right? Yeah. Because you have that we've been prepping for a year. I mean, really it's like we have known since March of this year that we had a date for the end of October which was also kind of scary because that's the last weekend. Oh. Yeah, we we the season closes November 1st and we hiked on the 28th. So Wow, see just getting
1: in by the the skinnier the skin, teeth right by there. By the
0: skinnier teeth. <laughs> and I guess it was probably you you really taking a gamble because some people try to like all, all go in, you know maybe end of the summer or beginning of fall and i think so if you if you open your date range up you can you can apply for like 25 dates okay. and if you open it up wide enough then you kind of end up getting and nobody else has opened it up that wide right then you would be the one they'll just say oh we'll give this guy this one so anyway that's that's what we're going to be talking about tonight um We got a lot of good stuff to come from that, but we're going to go through everybody's favorite topic first, right, Sean? This is the world of how-to hobby social media. We've got all sorts of goodies out there. The best place to find everything how-to hobby is at our website, howtohobbypodcast.com, where we load it up with all the latest and greatest from Sean's crazy eats to John's crazy feats, it is a world of exploration to be had. And I'm telling you, we're going to be packing this thing with value because we've got so many plans for it. I, I mean, Sean and I just get so jazzed because we're going to have all sorts of goodies on there from blog posts to gear lists to uh, food recipes and things that we like, like to stock in the kitchen. What's in John's pantry, what's in Sean's pantry. I mean, it works like a like like the most seamless internet browsing experience. So go and check that out. You can also get in touch with us there, which is the main purpose of it right now. We do have a Gmail account as well. If you want to send us a direct line straight to Sean's earwaves, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Only Sean gets this. He watches the comms like a hawk howtohobbypodcast at gmail.com is how you get in touch with us there and we have an Instagram and Twitter at howtohobbypodcast that's about it that's about it listeners but if you want any more leave us a line get on Sean's nerves and he, and we will make some major, major changes but I'm so excited for the future this is just 2022 and we're, we're not even halfway there this is it's just the beginning
1: just the beginning, Sean Just We got a lot of content coming your way uh, in episodes. I'm always working on the website. Uh, If anyone has any suggestions or comments on the site, you know, you're having an issue or you want to see something that you're not seeing, uh, we have a contact us page on there. So please, please check that out. Uh, I'm doing my absolute best to try and keep that website functioning keeping it continually <laughs> updating keeping it, to run it faster, <laughs> keeping it online uh i've, I've learned a lot it's only the, been down once it's I know, only been down once i've learned a lot in website management uh, out of this so uh, please check it out and let me know if you have any comments or uh questions on it but uh, yeah it's a good way to get a hold of us you're the best sean i'm
0: telling you the best in the west we are gonna take take down the southwest podcast scene for sure this is this is our title how-to hobby world so without further ado listeners we're gonna dive into it tonight high altitude hiking we've already kind of talked a little bit about it but this is where we're gonna break it down we're gonna fill you with just one good vibes because high altitude climbing it takes takes a lot of patience a lot of endurance a lot of mental tenacity so you gotta you gotta apply all the various how-to hobby attributes that we've talked to from the previous 38 episodes tonight. But we're going to start with how to prep for high altitude hiking or high altitude activities in general because it doesn't really matter. I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a big I'll do it all. I'll, I'll hike with my feet, I'll run, I'll ride my bike. Um Sean it was great. My bike this is just real quick, little sub sub bar. My bike was down uh before I left for the trip, everything I was sharing with you right before yep. um, the show started tonight, that every all of my toys decided to just die right before we left. So <laughs> um, I was I was doing one last training ride on Sunday, the Sunday before we left. We were leaving that upcoming week. And I snapped my – I actually – I torqued so hard on my crank arm, the pedal, mm-hmm. so the, the arm portion, that it – my bearing separated from my bottom bracket so it literally like yeah came out and then it was it was like going like you know (laughs) it wasn't straight so it wasn't it wasn't on act it wasn't equilateral axis it was off kilter so it was going around one way and then coming (laughs) off it was like doing this like serpentine motion when i was riding i was like that's not good so i stopped at this bike shop and met met my hero his name is richard oh man bike masters I'm telling you it is a great experience best one I've had ever he fixed my bike that well actually not <laughs> my bike was still broken but he he tried to he got me back on the road which is what every good mechanic does mm-hmm. and then I he just fixed it for me got I got a new crank arm set uh, from Amazon he said buy first I've never heard this before he said go online get the part and bring it back to me and I'll put it together for you what I was like, this is new. This is new. So did that. And he texts me. I bring it in on Sunday night after I get back from being gone. He gets back to me Monday morning and it's like, Hey John, your bike's ready. $33. I was (laughs) like, what? All everything about this experience was magical. I've never not spent over $100 at a bike shop mm-hmm. and I've never had somebody at a bike shop tell me, hey, go buy the part and then bring it in. Oh, and by the way, if you pay more than this, then they're pulling, they're pulling, you know, money out of your pockets. Like he was giving me all the, de- he's, he's a mechanic. That's why yep. he's a mechanic. He's not a salesman. Meet the mechanics listeners. I'm telling you. So after that, sh- you think that's it. My bike breaks, but no. The day we're leaving, I'm riding. I'm driving home. I'm actually driving Sean because I couldn't ride my bike; it was out of commission, and my tire shreds on the way home <laughs> on the oh highway. I literally God. on my exit, my tire. I, I felt a little. I felt a little disturbance in the force, and that you know you get that pull. I was like, yep. "Oh no!" And I got over to the side, and yeah, the, the my tire was completely shredded, sidewall gone. And thank goodness, the 04 Acura does it again with the donut, the spare donut in the back. <laughs> Bro, I changed that out in 13 minutes flat. Wow. Got home. Boom. No impact to the itinerary other than 13 minutes. I was like, see, that is
1: why you keep an old car. But That's that's exactly right because most most new cars don't come with spares anymore. I think no. my car... Mine's a 2019, and I actually have a full size spare in the trunk, so it's not even a donut; it's a full size. But I think that's one of the last multi years of cars where they started. They kept the spare in there. Now you just you're just screwed. Call AAA. Call AAA. (laughs) I mean, come on,
0: man. It's I'm not getting again. Just another reason why I'm not getting rid of my car, even (laughs) though I do need to get new tires. So everything broke, Sean. But I rode. I have two bikes. So when I didn't have the bike, I rode my mountain bike. Mm -hmm. Two bikes, man. The two bike game. That was the whole point of this whole story. Hey, guys, get two bikes because (laughs) you can. (laughs) All right. This is getting silly, Sean. Uh, That's enough about me and my two bikes. But the point is any high altitude activity listeners getting back to the main event you you can do it all using these basic principles okay so that's what we're breaking down tonight so get ready and get on board for another rip roaring attack from the how-to hobby boys straight to the
1: ear holes yep and i i highly highly recommend to everybody who's listening to please follow through on what john the the knowledge john's about to drop because I before I e- think I'd even met you, John, I, I did my own high altitude backpacking trip and basically did not did not know what I was doing. Didn't do any of the things that you're on your list tonight that you should be doing, whether it's in any of the categories we will be talking about. I skipped every single one and just went straight to doing it. And <laughs> it was one of the worst experiences, high altitude, I think I could have possibly had. So I have a feeling I'll throw some of those stories in there from bad, bad days. Uh, but for anyone who hasn't done altitude, please, please listen. Because coming from somebody who spent days and days in agony, please, please follow really? me. Oh, oh man. God. I was popping ibuprofen like it was candy. It was so <laughs> oh bad. It was so bad. No. One of the worst worst things I ever had happened to me on a hiking trip. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But please wow. listen to what the knowledge John's about to drop because it could save your life.
0: Okay, well, th- thank you, Sean, with uh, you are you are the best hype man in the game, I have to say. And hopefully you do find this all all very knowledgeable and nice listeners. So first thing we're going to talk about, Sean, tonight is the prepping, the prep, the preparation for the game, because it's all about the big game at the end, but it takes a lot, as we've already kind of covered, just talking about the the logistics at the beginning of this. A lot of this stuff today, people want to do. They mm-hmm. want to do the high altitude. They want to go to Mount Whitney and they want to tackle the thing. So you do have to put in some planning and some keep dates on your phone, keep reminders. I mean, you got you to keep yourself on track. So that's the first thing I would say is really dial in the, before you even start getting into what I'm going to cover next, Look into the basics of the band of when you need to start looking into getting permits, if you need permits, and and getting that logistical itinerary idea floating through your mind. And then everything will fall out much easier. But moving on in the prepping stage, we're going to set the stage tonight. We got prepping. We got the big game, doing the high altitude activity. And then we've got the active recovery stage. Three stages tonight. So we're going to start with the prepping stage again, dive into that itinerary, get the logistics moving through your head. But after that, you want to find a partner. And I recommend finding a partner because I think for most people, uh, these things are very difficult. And, And, well, I can say that for myself. This is the most difficult thing I've done. And I was reminded, once again, what a beast this thing was. As I was laughing hysterically on the way down at hour twelve um, of being on my feet, so it's very difficult. Doesn't matter your fitness level. You can ask anybody who's done this thing in the past; they're gonna tell you it's a it's a butt kicker. So finding a good partner who's gonna be motivates you along the way as you head into doing the feet is just gonna be a lot more fun. And additionally. So me and my sister just had so much fun, Sean, on the way down because you're you are at a loss for—I'm going to put up the newest YouTube video. I've got all the clips, all the goodies from the activity, so I can't wait to put that up. We'll link that to the website once again. But yeah, there's some gems of things that happen at the end when you're talking about doing something for that long because you start— most itineraries, when you're talking about Whitney specifically, start between three and five a m in the morning and then go anywhere from twelve to sixteen hours and due to everybody's fitness level today, we're only getting slower That's the other thing that I would say is they you know they say twelve to sixteen some like back in the day, I think people were much more into hiking as like mm-hmm. a daily activity don't you think i mean yep
1: I, most definitely
0: i i think there was there's kind of been a huge generation shift i think it's getting more popular again hiking as a as a whole but this level of hiking i don't think in the last 10 years has been as sought
1: after and, oh, and uh, i hundred percent agree it's it it was, it, I think it has to do with our uh, moving, a lot of people moving to the cities, focusing more on technology, getting, you know, nine, regular 9 Silicon to 5. Valley. Silicon Valley, you didn't have access to the same hiking trails. And also just the generational interest in being outdoors shifted, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years. So I know... A lot of people are now getting into it because of, you know, the shutdowns and now wanting to get outside and be more active, but it's definitely nowhere near what it was even 15, 20 years ago in terms of people's fitness levels and interest in hiking and being outside.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I, I, I don't know if it's good or bad. One thing I did hear from the guy at, we were talking to the Doug at the Mount Whitney store and he's the owner of that, of the the store there. And he said, he sees a lot more young women hiking these days, which I thought was cool. And on our way down, we did see a number of packs of young women coming up together, which was, which was great. Again, I think finding a partner, finding a group, like these are fun things to do listeners. And, and it's a lot better if you do it with people. And that's, so again, if you're like me, I have done it solo because I wanted to, I wanted to really see what I could do myself. And I still have aspirations to do another crazy feat and that'll be next year's goal. Uh, so we'll talk more about that at a later date, but for this one doing it with my sister, so sweet. Um, and I think these are moments if you choose the right person. And again, that's the key choosing the right person who's going to push you and motivate you and be able to, uh, be at a similar fitness level as you that's that's the thing and or if not better you don't you definitely don't want them to be worse than you because that that kind of it it's just tough like you want to be on equal footing when you're doing something like this and and that way you have a you set yourself up for more success in the end um that if we're talking about whitney specifically you can do it in two flavors you can do the one day or you can do the multi-day hike I've always done one day a sense because I just like getting it over with, mm-hmm. but it does mean more pain up front. So, but I also don't have to pack out two days of human feces. So there's, there's that as well. One day is enough, Sean and listeners. <laughs> Trust, me. Tr- tr- Trust me. Trust me. One day is enough. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> Especially when you're doing it fast because <laughs> the body doesn't shut down. <laughs> um, Nutrition. That's a perfect segue right into nutrition. You got to start planning this stuff out. So high altitude is different than most other activities. And we've talked about nutrition a number of times on this podcast, but high altitude and long duration activities are going to be so different because your body goes through a different state. And and you have to be ready for these different levels and these different feelings. Like when you're on your feet for 13 hours at some point you're not you're going to feel like not eating or you're going to feel like your body's going to start doing some weird stuff Mm -hmm. and and i can't tell you and sean can't tell you what's going to happen in that 13 hours because everybody's going to react differently and that's the important thing to take away here is you just got to be as prepared as possible from a nutritional standpoint so i like to have a wide array of again not nothing too heavy like i'm not packing full blown meals or anything but a lot of different bar options i like to pack things that i would like to eat that sound good on like my worst day like bring those things that you want or crave when you're just having a terrible day because that is really what you're going to
1: feel like doing some of this stuff <laughs> yep that you need those morale boosters like there's 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 a level of you know you want to bring healthy food and you want to have all of the calories the protein and everything the carbs that you're going to need for the strenuous activity but at the same time there is something that goes so far when it's like one of those comfort foods like for me i know it's bad for me but throwing a little piece of candy in my pack for when you hit that moment where you're just like i i don't want to be doing this anymore i'm hurting i just want to go home like i'm because and everyone does hit that at some point you you hit that point you pop a little candy in boom it's like the greatest pick me up for me and you know i've heard a lot of other people that sometimes do like if they're gonna be doing overnight, they're worried it might get cold, they'll just throw a little hot chocolate packet in because you know that could be the savior of your morale, your mood. There's so many things, so many ways you can do it, but keeping the nutrition is key because like you said, your body's gonna do weird things. You're gonna get really hungry one hour, then all of a sudden you're not hungry at all for another couple of hours and you, know, you need to be eating, but you don't really want to. It gets super weird in those situations. So forcing yourself to have the nutrition and to take the correct breaks. To eat are, are very crucial yeah
0: and that's that's huge so again and that kind of all that we'll talk more about the itinerary later when on doing it but you definitely want to be um yeah setting your setting that time aside for your body to to take that stuff in so as far as just a little bit more on nutrition before we move on again i like to have uh meal bars are good because they, they pack a lot in, uh, when you're feeling like you don't want to eat. Uh, I, I really like Laura bars, RX bars, um, nuts trail mix, of course is always can be, can be good and can be bad. Um, depending on your mood in the moment An our 11.5, uh, definitely shock blocks, which are like the little gummy blocks, gummy, gummy worms, gummy bears, um, and then goos as well the energy goos can be good cuz it's just a shot of pretty much sugar mm. and and the thing that i've noticed this is just from this is my experience here the thing that i've noticed is the more you eat yeah it it's really interesting it sounds bad like it gives you that hour of necessary kind of better feeling but then you potentially pay for it with an hour of oh back to pain And so it's, I just noticed it more this time than ever before, because I think, I don't know, each time you're, you're thinking about different things, you're maybe looking at the data differently. Like I'm looking at how I'm performing. One thing I will say about this time that was interesting, uh, when, when I was at the very top, um, around 13, almost 14,000 feet, I, I wore my fitness tracker this time and I looked down and saw my heart rate, and my heart rate was only at 99. Wow. And I couldn't explain, like, and I really was not out of breath. I mean, I was taking even, I mean, we were probably going like a two mile per hour pace,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I just, it wasn't, it was much calmer than ever before. And I don't know what I, th- and you know what I think it is, Sean? This is gonna dovetail nicely into our next. Point in the prepping, but it's the get high. No, not that high, listeners. Get altitude acclimatization in prior. Um, now, living in Phoenix, I'm at almost 3,000 feet. So just naturally. And I think that actually had a bigger role in my fitness level than I was anticipating. Because that's the only thing that I could explain. Why I wasn't you know redlined or or peaked out at at that high of an altitude also, yeah. maybe because I've done it before, I don't know. But it was interesting to me
1: to to look at that data and and see that I well it makes it makes sense because the the acclimatization of high altitude things i mean i've I watched a documentary on people who were doing um you know crazy high altitudes, like some of the highest altitudes out there. And, you know, they'll get to base camp and they'll camp for, you know, a week to try and allow their bodies to acclimate to that. And then it goes into even like sports, like the the Russian doping. What they were doing is they were going to high altitudes for weeks at a time and your body oh. because you're in higher altitude the lower oxygen your body produces more red blood cells to try mm-hmm. and deliver the same amount of oxygen you then come down to sea level and you're able to actually intake more oxygen at a time because you have more red blood cells so hmm. if you can read more into that the russian blood doping uh that got them in trouble Icarus. a few years ago <laughs> but uh yeah. So they I mean they definitely could be something by living at 3000 feet for the last, you know, almost year you've, your body has become more accustomed to versus living in San Diego, basically at sea level all yeah. the time. So I could definitely see that.
0: Yeah, no, it was an interesting takeaway and probably the, the most interesting one. Now I'm ready, man. I'm ready to, I'm ready to take this thing on. I'm going to hit it full, full bore. John power coming at Whitney 2023. We'll see. So training. Let's talk about training because that is that is a part of it getting your acclimatization on. Sean said it must much better than me. That's great. Great job, Sean. Uh I've so get I've been practicing that- while you've been talking. I've been practicing <laughs> in your head. <laughs> yep. So, training-wise, I think again, if you're not consistently training, this is going to be the make or break. I was doing my that was part of my 7-week tra- challenge of riding my bike for 100 miles a week was in preparation for this. I was trying to do little challenges for myself to con- to keep myself going so that I had a better chance of being ready for the trip. And I think we completed it, so it paid off. And that's really, this is the, the when you get to game day, listeners, you just want to complete the thing with, with safety, with nobody getting hurt. So if you do that, then you have one. I don't care about timings. I don't care about, What your heart rate was, what this and that was, doing it and then getting back down safe is the name of the game here. So train, whether it's in a, if you don't have altitude, if you have mountains, go run them. If you have hills nearby, run them. That is, uh, for me, has always been my saving grace because when you're running and especially like you can start doing breathing exercises, this is how I got ready to do it my first time really fast. I had three months, no, I think it was actually three weeks to train before my first time doing Whitney. So I, I broke all the rules my first time too, but I was young and in college and, you know, that you just, yep. that's all she wrote. Uh, but what I did was run some mountains and some hills around San Diego in preparation that I still performed. That was actually a 22-hour day, and you know that that story, Sean. It's yep. <laughs> We don't need to dive into that one. (laughs) Um, So the other big one, prepping. Once you get your training routine down, there's plenty of websites. We'll link one below in the show notes. It's by the hiking guy. He talks about hiking Mount Whitney, and he gives a training regimen. Just do activities. Do activities in preparation. Train your legs. Do riding. Do cycling. Do running. And... I am a huge fan of jump rope these days. So if you can do that, get yourself going, get your form on. Now, this is a big one, Sean, hydration. I, the day before, like on route, I drink, I think me and my sister drank a a gallon a piece, if not more. Wow. So, and I think it really sets yourself up because the last thing you want to be thinking about is AMS symptoms related to hydration, Mm-hmm. ams is the altitude sickness the acronym for uh altitude issues that you can get and sean, uh, sean probably knows what that stands for i don't know what off the top of my head but pretty much your brain starts to swell and water and food are the big drivers behind that keeping that at bay if you are if you don't have the right food if you don't, if you're not giving yourself the right nutrition, and if you're not giving yourself mainly en- enough water on the way up, it's just going to get worse and worse. And yep. and no matter what, like it's fourteen thousand feet, you're going to feel some things up there. If it's not wind at the minimum twenty-four hour headwind that's ripping through your body, which is what this this time was like, um, yeah, it's it's there's something. And you're you're probably gonna feel some pressure. I feel a slight pressure on my head. That's that's my personal feeling of like, oh, I'm getting higher. Um, so hydration-wise, I've always came into it complete. Like I, I can feel it. I know this is the other thing too. Like doing and knowing, doing some research and knowing when you're hydrated, you just need to take a day, even before, like long before, and just figure out when am i hydrated that's something i think is very important for us as people i don't think enough of us drink enough fluid and i'm interested to hear your opinion on this sean but especially water we're not just you know we're drinking coffee we're drinking soda we're drinking other things but we're not drinking enough water and when you do get to a peak form of hydration you feel it trust me because i've been there and it it feels really good
1: it it really does though because um i've read a lot of studies that you can do more to boost your mood with a glass of water than you can with uh candy or coffee or 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 grand (laughs) crew um i mean it's it's one of the fastest ways if you're not feeling if you're starting to feel sad or something feels wrong chug a glass of water i know it sounds funny but hydration can lead like dehydration can lead to so many mood issues and, uh, uh, bodily issues that you will never imagine. Um, I have tried various things in the past. I've tried doing the gallon of water a day. That was too much for me. Uh, it was just too much for my body. It was, I was basically just in the bathroom all day long. It wasn't enjoyable. Oh. Um, but I do find that the more water I drink, it also changes depending on what my, you know, activity levels are like, things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's super, super critical to stay hydrated. I know when I did my trip, I did, we peaked at 12, just over 12,000 feet. And we spent a night sleeping. We spent, the, so the trail started at 8,000. We spent the night sleeping at 10, a night at 11, a night at 12, and then back to a night at 10, and then back out to the car. And I had some of the worst altitude sickness I had ever experienced in my life at that point. Um, I was just excruciating headaches, uh, migraines. Like, I I mean, I was waking up crying my head. I thought my head was gonna explode. I was nauseous. Um, I was downing ibuprofen, trying to make it go away. Um, It was it was a pretty bad experience. So I I, looking back, I know for a fact I was not drinking enough water. I was dehydrated Mm. and I know I didn't bring the right food. I was basically just cramming mountain house meals down my throat, trying to (laughs) to survive. But uh, yeah, staying staying dehydrated, knowing when you've had enough water. And the way that I've heard it is by the time you're thirsty, you should have already had water. You should have water on a consistent basis so that you don't feel that thirst and then drink before you get to that point. Well, and I think the
0: standard as a minimum, I have seen the six liter rule. That's kind of what people have said as, as a baseline for Whitney, that's what you should expect to drink. And that is what I've seen. I've pretty much seen it be two on the way up, two to the summit and two on the way down Mm -hmm. six, six liters. That's a lot of water. Yeah, that's actually and you have to be intentionally drinking that. But that's like what the baseline requirement is. Now, I have some tips on moving, actually moving in right on into the gear. This time, Sean, I use my favorite new piece of gear, which I've talked about at length here on the podcast. You know it well, listeners. It is the Katadyne Be Free. And I had the six liter or 0.6 liter, excuse me, six liter. That'd be amazing. I just huge (laughs) bottle. Um, It's the 0.6 and it comes in a one. I have the 0.6 liter and every stream we crossed, I just dunked that thing right into the water, took off the cap, dunked it in the water, grabbed it quick, uh, filled it up quickly and then kept moving. And again, that just kept the pace up, kept us moving, um, gave us a little break every, every couple miles. And, yeah, I mean, I was able to keep the—it It's it wasn't as—I didn't even have to pull out the full hiker um, pump this time. I just used those, and then I had what—I had two liters in the—in uh, my um, camo back. So it worked out perfect because the other thing about the fall and the moving into the end of season is all of the water above—when uh, did it start— 12,000 feet was frozen it might have been 12,500 feet but it was all frozen at that point point. Mm-hmm. and if you did want some you had to chip through the ice which i wasn't about to spend time chipping through ice i think in the middle of the day it uh it, it kind of melted off and you could get through easier if you really wanted to but at that point we were on our way down yeah so again listeners i'm telling you this be free check it out this thing is a game changer we'll link it in the sh- in the show notes below um, and that was my main piece of gear, but you should have everything else. The safety, uh, having ibuprofen just in case, um, salt pills, huge one for me. Again, all the nutrition things we talked about at the beginning, your down jacket, your, uh, a hoodie, a sun hoodie. Also don't forget my sister got sunburn. Don't forget sunscreen, like face related and, and hats and sunglasses, because you're exposed you are barren. there's no tree cover above 13,000 feet it's granite slab and that's gonna be across the board it doesn't matter where you're hiking you're you are hiking you you got to protect the face protect the the body the extremities I I, I have gloves I need gloves and um, a beanie so yeah you kind of have the whole morning routine then you then you pull out the hat the sun hat the sun hoodie and uh, just <laughs> Keep on chugging. So that's gear. If you have any questions related to gear further questions, reach out to us at the website and we'll get back to you if you if we miss something, again, this is more brief. We're going through the prep. Now we're going to move into how we do it. So with the itinerary we've already talked about you want to be trained up at this point. you want to have your campsite picked. At your high altitude, as high as you can be, prior to to making the final push, that's where you want to camp. So make sure your itinerary includes uh, at Whitney. You can get the the Whitney campground, and you can get a site. It takes a little bit extra uh, hutzpah to to line those dates up because they're not they're not the same. You don't go on there and get your your permit and then get your campsite the same day. That would be nice, but no, it's not how it works. You have to Figure out when the rolling release date is going to happen. You have to get on it. So, yeah, doing that is going to save you, um, again, being high the night before. Uh, Also, don't forget to look up, listeners. The stars out there are
1: the best. Yeah, when you're that high, the small amount of altitude or uh, um, sky, I don't remember the right word. Skybox. Uh, Skybox. <laughs> the distance between you and the outer atmosphere is oh, so much yeah. smaller. Uh, and the sky just lights up because the it's so much darker up there. You're closer. Generally, there was no sky or cloud cover for me up in Bishop uh, when I did 12,000 feet. But it, it's just some of the most beautiful night sky I've ever seen in my life, <sighs> other than when I would go out to the desert to see the like shooting stars and stuff. I mean, oh. it is gorgeous
0: so good so good yeah i i I mean don't forget to look up listeners that's 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 not even on the the list but just it's important always all right looking into weather i'm a big fan of what is the website here sean mountainweather.com i believe is what it is mountainforecast.com we'll link this in the show notes greatest website I've found with regards to finding your your mountain weather. They should have just called it mountain weather, but instead they called it mountainforecast.com. Check it out. Again, let's see what's happening. Mount Whitney weather, zero to three days. Heavy fall of snow, heaviest during Tuesday afternoon. So again, look at this. I, I It's just crazy because now it is clearly winter. It is at the top one degree. <laughs> this week which is unbelievable so it we we just narrowly snuck in there that's the other thing that's crazy they're expecting 13.8 inches of snow this evening anyway just,
1: that's just skated by that, that's
0: the data that we're talking about here listeners all right again acclimatization it's very important so as many times as you can Stopping along the way All right We need to We need to give our bodies A chance to catch up If you're feeling out of breath If you're It's all about the feeling As you're going up So this is game day We're here We know when we're getting up We're up Okay That's difficult My sister actually It was tough for her Because the thing is You're waking up at 3 a.m. It, this is tough for anybody I, Again I've done it Three times But you're Forcing yourself up You've probably slept maybe three hours, if that, because you just don't, right? You never do before game day. Mm -hmm. You got the nerves. Everything's freaking you out. And yeah, I mean, getting up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., whatever it is, I recommend three. Some people do it at one. We passed a couple people that had been on the trail since one. I, I think that's a little too early, personally. I think you should give yourself more rest prior and then maybe go between three and five and go for it. But the thing is you don't want to be on the summit of Whitney or these high altitudes past noon or or like 1 o'clock because of lightning storm risk mm. in the afternoon. Lightning storms can roll up to these high peaks and that's across the board. I mean you can watch any high altitude related documentary. I mean they they always try to summit early and that you have your window, and you don't mess with it, and you come back down. It's a, It's just the 101. So we're going to say it here as well. Go along with the norm. And thankfully, yeah, we summited this time. We were up there at about 1040. And the cool thing about this attempt, Sean, was we actually had the entire summit to ourselves.
1: Ooh. That was
0: special. I don't think I've never had that. Never had that. We skated right in. A big group had just come down. And then we were the first of like the day hiker group that got up to the top, which was cool. So yeah, 1040. It was just my sister and I. We had nobody to take the photo, but we we were up there by ourselves. So we got a quick moment. It was cold,
1: man. I mean, we're talking, it was like 20 mile per hour winds. Well, I just looked, if you look at mountain forecast the high today at the peak was one degree feels like negative 27 with the wind chill. So it's no joke.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's serious stuff. I mean, this is, this is, and that's the thing is I think to what that guy, Doug said, most people come up and it's their first time hiking. Like they have no idea what they're getting into when, you know, again, cause it looks great. You come up to 9,000 feet and you're like, Oh, it's. Kinda temperate. This feels good, and then you get up there, and it's a whole, it's a different climate entirely. Go figure. But it, but right, if you're just going along and in, in the motions, you're not really having that same understanding, I don't think. So yeah, definitely dive in, listeners, and 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 get ready for something that's going to be pretty severe. Look at the weather. Um. So yeah, taking the break. Sean already mentioned. Throughout, as you're coming up to altitude, you know, there are certain, like if you're feeling super out of breath and super winded and fatigued as you're going through the day, you're just take a break. Take a break five to 10 minutes. Don't stop for too long. You don't want to shut the engine off. And this is like, I've had so many people where it's like they end up stopping and they just, you don't make headway. You have to continue to put the, the pedal down. And that's just unfortunately that's it. There's no secret here. It's just okay, keep going. Keep the keep the feet moving. And 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 because it, even when you get to the top, you still have 11 miles to come back down and that sucks. I I'm not going to lie. Nothing ever the, the last couple miles on Whitney are like nothing else. They are <laughs> terrible.
1: But they can be fun if you have the right partner you gotta be laughing silly on the way down yeah i can't i can't imagine hiking all of that way to the top to only i mean how long did you spend at the peak uh it was probably like 15 minutes yeah i can't imagine hiking all the way up there spending 15 minutes and then having having to know you have to hike all the way back down like that that sounds like the toughest mind portion of the hike to me is getting to the top and then realizing you have to do it all over again just going down yeah it's they
0: every person that's done it will probably tell you the same thing of, of experience like everybody who's done it and and i think is a hiker it that's the thing that i think most people forget is you get up there you have this huge and we experience it again this time you have a huge dump of adrenaline because you finally you you're there mm-hmm. and then it's like oh and you just got to go back down and dude it's you're you're already in pain that that's the thing like i'm in shape i am definitely in shape and my knees were i'm getting a little older my knees were hurting on the way down note and again i talked to my parents i think most i don't know if you can get through this one without some pain mm-hmm. that's the thing that again it just you can't really get around it so again eating like you give yourself those boosts, eating the the energy, giving yourself a lot of sugars on the way down is good, but you honestly you don't feel like it either. It's just, I don't want to talk about the way down.
1: <laughs> You're like I just
0: I just want to get back to camp. I just want I just to get, want back, to get back. back. Let's talk about recovery, listeners. This is what we're <laughs> going to finish up with tonight. The recovery is amazing because all you do is eat and rest. Don't get into a car. And drive home that night. That's what I did my first time. And I'll tell you, it's it's mm. the, not safe. Don't operate machinery. It's kind of like coming back from space. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this story, Sean. Uh, one of the astronauts came back. This is before NASA had like in-depth. Um, now that there's like a NASA process for everything, of course, including what you do when you come down from space. Mm-hmm. But this was one of the first ones Uh, An astronaut came down. They didn't have any protocols set up yet. So he got into his car to go home and crashed. He actually hit um, a a fellow NASA employee on his way out of the parking lot (laughs) (laughs) because he couldn't operate the machinery like his. I mean, you know, your bone density changes. There's so many things that change coming from space. And and yeah, he people are not safe. Listeners. You're gonna hit if you <laughs> you could hit somebody. Just let's let's avoid that. So definitely get the get the second night at the campground, enjoy a nice fire, eat the burger at the Mount Whitney Portal um store. It's huge. And hey, they hooked a, they hooked me and my sister up with like a plate of fries. It was like, it was unreal. He's like, I think I'll hook you up. And he came out like he, you know how there is the basket? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just dumped the entire basket on our <laughs> plate. I'm not joking. <laughs> Talk I, about a morale boost right there at the, end of, the <laughs> end of a long day. And this is the other good thing, listeners. You're still hungry. Even after that, you're still hungry. So just keep eating. You won't – you will not – that's the thing is you cannot eat enough to offset what you burned on this hike. So if there's any – if you – if there's any pro to doing it, hey, that's one, right? <laughs> so yeah, rest – um, and then active recovery, getting, um, doing a bike ride, if you can, like a low intensity walks after the next day, I mean, you know, getting the blood flowing cause you're going to have a lot of lactic acid buildup. So, you know, getting a great breakfast the next morning, of course, continue to eat like you're hungry, Sean, for uh, at least a day and a half after you do this thing. Like you just, you can just eat and keep eating. And it's great. It's a a good time. So any questions about the whole process, what we covered?
1: I don't have any. I I just know that basically every point that you touched on, I did wrong when I did my (laughs) high altitude. Uh, The one thing I did do is I had good partners. They were some of my really good friends I've known, I think, they were two of my first friends I ever had in life. They met in elementary oh, school. Great. They were very experienced hikers. They're experienced in out, outdoor experience, first aid experience, um, a lot of things like that. So they were really good guys to, to go hiking with. I just struggled because they were in another tier of fitness compared to what mm. I was. So I I was slowing them down a lot, which they didn't mind. But it still kind of sucked for me. Um, my nutrition was garbage. I didn't train at all. I had bought the gear, I think, the week before we left. I didn't know what I was doing. I barely knew how any of it worked. Uh, you know, I, I'll admit I drank a beer one of the nights there, which was a horrible oh. idea because alcohol <laughs> at elevation, uh, it's a completely different ballgame. Uh, so it's just I made, I made so many mistakes that I didn't realize until I got home and I started looking into what I should have done start realizing like how bad things had actually gotten. Uh, But I still had an amazing trip and I still look back on the time as, you know, that was my first real trip that I had done and I'm really glad I did it. Uh, I just wish I hadn't had to learn all of those lessons the hard way. Um, But yeah, so any listeners, please, please listen to what John said. Uh, If you also have any other tips or tricks, let us know. Mm -hmm. We're always looking to add to our repertoire um, now I'm curious, John. You mentioned in there you have a plan for next year. So coming from this and all of what you've learned, tell me what 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 are your aspirations for 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 John Power of 2023?
0: Oh man! So I actually have a huge goal for 2023. I don't know if it's going to be possible. This is going to be one that I'm gonna. It's going to push the the boundaries. I think of what I'm probably capable of. But I'm trying to do the lowest to highest. I probably mentioned it before on the show at least once, but it's death Valley. You ride your bike from death Valley to Whitney portal. And then you get off the bike and hike to the top. Oh God. So I don't know. It's this. And this is the thing you right. You have stretch assignments in life. This is one I borderline do not know if I'm capable of doing it. (laughs) Um, because it's like a 120-mile bike ride, 7,000. Well, I think even just getting... Before you even make the the final 9,000 feet of elevation up to the portal, it's like 7,000 feet of climbing just from Death Valley. Good so it's Lord. it's like no joke from an altitude standpoint of like just even on the bike and then imagining doing the full Whitney. And it's... This is the thing. It stops when you get to the top. So, like, that's it. You just, you go and you get to the top. And then you know, however long it takes you to get down, you're dying. You're probably dead. You're probably almost dead. <laughs> but I don't know. There's something about it, man. I, I It's on the radar. I'm going to have to train. Like, I'm going to have to go out prior to even doing it, like, that day. Or, again, it's it's like a two-day activity. So you start the day one and and take the ride and you, I think you end at like nine p.m. and then you start the hike to get up to the top. So, if and that's if everything goes to plan, you need to have uh, support along the route. Like I need to actually have somebody. If you want to be on the support team, Sean, jump on board. Yeah, yeah. Hit me um, up. I need a I need drivers and and water bottle holders in the car. Okay. Yeah, that Subaru of yours might be a nice oh, little support that's, vehicle.
1: That's what I'm thinking too. That'll be a great <laughs> way station right there. Woo!
0: So, yeah, though, no, that's, I'm actually assembling the team for that. I, I want to document this because if I do do this, it's going to be something I want to look back on mm-hmm. when I'm old and go, oh, yeah, like that was the epitome of what I trained for. Yep. And what I wanted to do to push my body and see if I'm capable of something that's like no, not many people even want to do it. So, I better do it now or it's I'm going to run out of time. Not like run out of time, but I just it, it, I I just what kind of want to get over with. Yep. So, yeah, it it will be a long training reg- regime to get there, but that is on the radar for 2023 and if if I can get the permits, I'm going to try and give it a go. So, we'll see. Stay tuned listeners
1: for next year's activity. So I'm, I'm Woo! interested. Put, put me on the team, coach. Oh, uh, I love it. Okay, me, good, good. In. Yes. Well,
0: thank you so much, Sean. As always, listeners, we hope you enjoyed tonight's content. We thank you for listening. Uh, keep your dial tuned to the How to Hobby Station. This platform is growing. We are just beginning to unlock what we're capable of here as a community. So, jump on board how to hobby platform we love you guys we hope you had a great time listening to us tonight and make sure to tune in next time to the how to hobby podcast thank you for listening to another episode of the how to hobby podcast if you've enjoyed what you've heard please give us a like and or follow us wherever you get your podcasts thanks a lot and take care